Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I am Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hi, Ellen. I am... No, I'm trying to think of a word I haven't used yet. Magnificent. Pretty sure you've used that one, but we'll move on. Today we are going to be talking about Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn, and later we are going to lay out our dream cast for that upcoming Shonda Rhimes-helmed Bridgerton series on Netflix. But first, Mom, what have you been reading? Ellen, I've read quite a bit this week, this time. I actually did as well. I'll I'll just, like, be upfront about that. Okay. What was the last book we read? We did... We did Accidental Tryst. Accidental Tryst. That's right. So after Accidental Tryst, I read Royally Matched by Emma Chase, mm-hmm. mainly because I wanted a sexy British voice while I was on a... Road trip. Road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, then I read Inconvenient Wife by Natasha Boyd, which is the book that follows Accidental Tryst, uh-huh. which was delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started in on our books for this week. So I read The Duke and I mm-hmm. by Julia Quinn, mm-hmm. the Simon and Daphne story. Yes. I read The Viscount Who Loved Me, also by Julia Quinn, which is the Anthony, Anthony. and Kate story. Yes. Then I read An Offer from a Gentleman, which also is by Julia the, Quinn. Also, which is the Benedict and Sophie story, mm-hmm. which is just charming. Yes. Um, and then I read Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. And to complete this, I'm now reading To Sir Philip with Love, which is the Eloise story. Okay. Um, I read Surrender and Dominate, two different books by Amy Dawes about the same couple. Um, Mom read this book before me. Yes, I did. And I kept telling you, you're going to read this and you're going to think, wow, I can't believe Mom read this. Yeah, it definitely took some of the enjoyment out for me because I could not even appreciate how hot it was, which is disappointing. Um, but you know, maybe I did a little bit, um, Then I read Beautiful Sinner by Sophie Jordan, which is, I believe, the fourth, fifth book in the Devil's Rock series. Um, I really like that series a lot, and this one was also very good. You know, it's a lot of broody ex-convicts who are not really ex-convicts because most of them... For some reason, they're all innocent. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But this one was really good. It was um, this. It was Cruz Walsh, uh, who was previously in other books um, imprisoned incorrectly. What's the term for that? Falsely accused. Accused. Um, and so it's like him getting out of jail, and she's a reporter, and she's kind of trying to get this story about him. Anyway, it was really good, and um, it's it was like a. They both had crushes on each other in high school, and now they're they're very grown up. One of your favorite, and tropes. it's one of my favorite tropes. <laughs> um, and then I read *Inconvenient Wife* by Natasha Boyd, which I came up with a term when I was talking to mom. It's tropetastic. Yes. So many so many things that I love in that one. Um, and then I read *Holiday Wishes*. About That Kiss and Hot Winter's Night, Winter Nights, by all by Jill Shalvis. So I am caught up. Those are all in the Heartbreaker Bay series. So I am caught up on that 
series. Um, and then I read Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. Well, you didn't read the previous books like I did, so. No, I did not. But I've also read them more times, times before this, whereas this is like your second reading of that series, it right? It is. Yeah. My second reading, and I loved it. It's just so delightful. It is. Well, let's get started talking about those delightful Bridgertons. Yes, they are delightful. So today we are going to be talking about Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. It is the fourth book in her beloved Bridgerton series. Um, We had some of you ask if this can be read as a standalone, and Mom and I agreed that it can, but there are certain things that you get a better appreciation for by reading the previous books, such as more history of Lady Whistledown and just the family itself, a better understanding of the Bridgerton brood. Well, and not to mention that you're missing out on some delightful books. Yeah, I mean, if if you read the fourth one to, like, catch up with us, I really recommend reading the whole series because they're all just so delightful, especially if you yeah, liked this one. Like, definitely go back and read the whole series. Um, so for this book description, I attempted to write it in the style of a Lady Whistledown column. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I'm so predictable. Um, so I wrote... Colin Bridgerton, third son and prodigy to the illustrious Bridgerton brood, has finally returned to England from his time abroad. Even more delighted than his marriage-minded mama is surely Penelope Featherington, for it is this author's opinion that her infatuation for the reputed charmer is even more long-held than her status as a wallflower, and that, as we all know, is a status she has held since her first season out." Most fascinating of all is that Penelope is that Colin and Penelope have been spotted often in each other's company as of late. Surely shocking news to all of the tone, as Mr. Bridgerton has never shown any marked interest in the girl as anything other than the dear friend of his sister. Has the spinster come down off the shelf, or are these keeping or are these two keeping secrets of the non romantic variety? This author likes to think it may be a little of both. <laughs> so Mom, what yes, did Ellen. you think of Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, both this time and the first time you read it? Well, this book is you know, different than any other book we've ever done in mm-hmm. that we've both already read it and we both already love it. That's so true. So I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone that I loved it even more the second time. It is just so utterly delightful. When I, like, the second I started it, I made a note in my book, and I just wrote the word charming. Her writing is just charming. It's just so, I just love it so much. Well, this is, and this is just a shout-out tribute to Julia Quinn, in that because of their dialogue, which is very teasing and sarcastic a lot of the ways, which we love. Yes. But she just writes it in such a way that you can totally picture them, you know, side-eyeing each other and wink, wink, nod, nodding each other. And you can just feel the sarcasm and, you know. And the teasing and the... And the teasing and their banter. And it's just really fun to read. Well, and and I made a note. She has, like, she definitely has the banter between the leads, but then also just all of the Bridgertons have this kind of, like, rapid-fire witty dialogue just coming at you all the way through and right. um and then this book also has lady danbury who also adds a lot of uh quips and such 
And so, anyway, so this, so the dialogue is just off the charts in this one because it's just coming at you from all directions, not just the like banter between the leads. Well, and and the thing that she does really well, especially with such a large cast, if you can say, or yeah. of characters in the in the story, each. Bridgerton has such a unique personality and a way of speaking. Like Hyacinth, for example, now that she's old enough to kind of be part of the story because she's been kind of a kid up until now. But she has such a funny little addition to the storylines. And, you know, her she has a very quirky, funny personality. And um, the only one we don't see much yet is Gregory. He kind of shows up. He actually shows up in in Eloise's book. But... um, but all of the brothers kind of have their own flavor, and mm-hmm. and even Daphne. But um, and I think that comes sort of from all of them have their own books, so she their kind of books. gives them. But I think even like with Eloise and Penelope, they kind of change personalities from like when we've seen them in previous books to this book, where they're a little bit older and wiser, right? And um, anyway. And I really love their friendship as well. And there's quite a time jump between Benedict's, Benedict's book, book and Colin's book. Yeah. It's um, five years it's or more? seven years, I think. Is, yeah, yeah. Because the event that they reference in this book that takes place in Benedict's book is when um, he kind of insults her and says that he shouts loudly that he would never marry Penelope Featherington because their mom had been after him about you know, spending more time with her. And um, Penelope overhears this and is heartbroken. And I think they reference the fact that that happened seven years before the events in this book. And that happened in Benedict's book originally. Yeah. But, um, uh, so there's quite a time jump between Benedict's yeah. book and, and this book. But then Eloise's book, almost, almost parts of it are simultaneous. Yeah. Simultaneous. So, um, you know they're they're very close together. Yeah, um, and I just I just love so I love this book, but I also just love the Bridgertons. I just love their family mm. dynamic, and I think I love it because they kind of feel similar to us, right? Like they're always after each other and teasing. Do we you. use sarcasm and teasing? <laughs> in our well, I think we do. Um, but there's a line that I was like, "This is the truest." thing that's ever been said about siblings ever and she says there was something about a sibling that brought out the eight-year-old in a body and I'm like (laughs) that's so true like I just and like I've had friends spend time with like me around my brothers and they're like you become like a lot more snarky when you're around your brothers I'm like yeah they need that in their lives (laughs) that's the part I play yeah (laughs) It's, it's my brothers. Yeah, I yeah. am going to get snarky with them. Um, and I love this book. I love watching, and we get this in other books too, but she does a really good job of watching this progression from she's like a sister to me to why have I never noticed how beguiling her lips are to I want her now. Like, I just love that progression of emotion between him for her. Well, and this also happens in a lot of books, but this whole thing of, yeah, she's okay. She's kind of yeah. pretty. And then by the time it's like, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and I have to have her now. <laughs> I know. I love it. Um, yeah. And um, the other thing that they, the other thing that kind of stuck stuck out to me that's kind of not related to my questions and so I just have it in my notes. Um, 
was there's a moment where he's talking to his sister Daphne um, towards the end, and they're only a year apart. Um, but he talks about with only one year between them, he and Daphne had always passed through the various stages of life together. And then he talks, but until she got married and started having kids. And I'm like, that must have been so weird back then, because I feel like now you kind of are doing things at the same time as other people of your gender, you know, like people of both genders tend to get married at the same time, around the same time. You know, they tend to graduate college and start having babies around the same time. But it must have been so weird because, like, back then, girls were getting married at, like, 17 and guys were getting married at, like, 35 and 30. Which is one of my complaints about these books. (laughs) I know, but but it must have been so weird, right? Like, these people that, like, these kids that you grew up with, just because it's a different gender, like, you're doing things at such a different rate than they are. And and the fact that society was okay with guys waiting till they're 35 to get married, like that's, oh, you know, they're yeah. just sowing their wild oats. They just da da da. But girls, you know, if you're not married by the time you're 20, oh, they're never going to get married. They're spinsters. Yeah. It's like, what a freaking double standard. Yeah. I know. It's interesting. Um, okay. Are you ready to dive into questions? I'm ready to dive in questions, Ellen. Okay, so let's talk about Colin Bridgerton as our romantic hero. He is a popular choice when people talk about beta heroes. Um, What do you think of him as a beta and just as a character in general? He's definitely a beta character. Yeah. Because even as I'm reading Eloise's book, and I don't want to spoil, you know, other books, but I just read the part where her brothers show up in Eloise's book. Yeah. And they're all just ready to pounce on this guy. And he just stands back and laughs. He just stands back and laughs at the whole thing. And it cracks me up. Yeah. He's just, that's so Colin. But um, he's definitely a beta character. And I love it. Yeah. Mainly because I just love his, he just takes everything in stride. And he's just easygoing about everything. Well, not He does. I was going to say, he gets kind of fired up. He gets riled up a few times in the book. Yeah. But even she's taken back by it. She's like, I've never seen him mad before. Yeah. But um, I think he's like so refreshing as a hero in especially in the historical romances, because I think in historicals, even more so than contemporaries, it's an arena that's very dominated by the brooding alphas. And I think it's because they always have to have these like tragic backstories and, you know, things like that to. And his I mean, he has like a charmed life. He yeah. even says that's like one of his problems that he's, he's yeah. got this charmed life. He even says at one point, which I think this is just like Julia Quinn calling it out. But he says, I fear it will never be my destiny to be a dark brooding hero. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love that. Um, and I think that the prologue in this book like really sets him up perfectly. Um, I loved this line where because, you know. They meet initially by she causes him indirectly to fall off a horse and she's afraid he's going to get all angry and mad, but he laughs and like, that's what makes her fall in love with him. And I think like, yeah, that would just that like, he's especially like a 16 year old girl, like that would be, well, he totally could have embarrassed her and and been mad at her and everybody would have felt that he was justified and all that because he fell in the mud and he got all dirty and. But um, 
he didn't. He just laughed it off. And Yeah, and I wrote down this line. Colin Bridgerton was witty. He was dashing. He had a devil-may-care jokester quality to him that made women swoon. But most of all, Colin Bridgerton was nice. And, like, <laughs> that's what she loves about him is he's just nice. And I think especially nice. for, you know, a character like hers, which we're going to get into in just a second, but, like, that that, that would be a draw, that he's he's always been nice to her. And, you know, for a girl who's a little more introverted and um, the fact that he goes out of his way to still be nice to her is, it's attractive. Yeah. And he's like one of the guys who's always asked her to dance at the dances. And I I, I know his mother kind of harped on him to do that because Mm -hmm. she was a friend of their families and Mm -hmm. she didn't like seeing her sit. But I'm pretty sure that there were times when he just did it on his own. Just because he felt it was a nice thing to do. Yeah, I think she even said that. And I also think it's attractive that, you know, he's in this world where he can just loiter around and do nothing, but he wants something that gives him purpose and gives him something to do. And, you know, that's something that they kind of squabble over a little bit. But um, Is he trying to find his special purpose? Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a jerk reference. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say mom is referencing the jerk by with Steve Martin. Um but and I also loved this line where, you know, he's talking about how there's nothing more to him than he's just a charmer and that's all anybody knows about him. But she says, Penelope remembered all the moments he had made people smile, all the times he had walked past all of the popular girls at balls and asked a wallflower to da- dance. She thought of the strong, almost magical bond he shared with his siblings. And and I like that she thinks of those as his as his achievements and right right yeah. that that is what she always thinks of with him is that he was he was nice. I just like that that's his main quality is he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. <laughs> I know what a nice guy. What a nice guy. <laughs> um, so Penelope, I love Penelope probably because I relate to her a bit too much. But what do you think of Penelope? I love Penelope. I love everything about Penelope. I'm not sure how much we're going to spoil here on the the podcast. Well, um, like, let's, let's, we're going to give a blanket spoiler. We're spoiling stuff. Go, Mom. (laughs) So if you haven't read it, stop listening now, go read the book, and then come back and listen. Um, I love, first of all, they never come out and say it, but I get the feeling that she's not stick skinny. So I have a feeling she's a little curvy. Yeah. She's, um, she's just very sweet and demure. And, uh, but even though she's kind of quiet and standoffish, she has her hopes and dreams too. I mean, mm-hmm. she has things she wants to do. And, you know, through Lady Whistledown, she's able to kind of voice some of that stuff and, or, do something even though no one knows but she's mm-hmm. able to do something that kind of um puts her out there kind of makes her feel a little sassy and yeah yeah has the ton by the bars by the <laughs> anyway has them in her grips and um i don't know i i love it i love that she's uh teases with him and toys with him and you know hat can dish it as well as she takes it and I love it I think what I relate to her the most with is that um because 
especially growing up and with our family, I am very um, probably feisty, right, and loud. But often when I'm in social situations, I am, I am very introverted, and I feel awkward a lot of times. And um, so this whole thing about her where she's an introvert who kind of knows that she has a hard time showing that she's actually like a feisty and witty and, you know, fun person. I think I kind of relate to that. And I really like this quote about her. It says, deep inside she knew who she was and that person was smart and kind and often even funny. But somehow her personality always got lost somewhere between her heart and her mouth and she found herself saying the wrong thing or more often nothing at all. And, um... So, yeah, so I liked, and I liked this whole thing of, you know, Lady Danbury telling her, you know, you're more, I, I can see that in you. And then she, she takes that to heart and she's like, yeah, I am more and I need to start getting Me, that out what, there. Yeah. Yeah. I also appreciated, I mean, I don't know how I appreciated it, but this, she had kind of come to, you know, settle on the fact that she was going to be a spinster and probably... Mm-hmm you know, never be married. And then, you know, her mother just kind of assumed, her mother just assumed, you know, in my old age, Penelope's mm-hmm. going to be the one to take care of me because she's the one that's not going to get married. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, you could just see how Penelope was like, oh, uh, seems so dreary a future to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bless her heart. Yeah. Um. So I really love this dynamic between them that gets explored a lot of him as this popular man about town and her as an aging spinster and kind of the ups and downs they have in trying to like understand where each other are coming from. Um, What did you think of that dynamic? I think the place where we see it the most is when they actually get engaged Mm -hmm. and she says, I can hear everybody whispering behind us, you know, why is he marrying her? Why is he marrying her? And, and she says, but that's okay because I'm okay with it because I, I'm getting Colin. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, but her, she was worried that, you know, does he hear it? Does he hear what people are saying? Or does yeah. he just not even And notice? is he going to buy into it at all? Yeah. And... So there's still insecurities there because, I mean, she's had insecurities all her, all her life practically. Yeah. And I really, I really love the kind of thing between them where he's always wondering, like, did I change? Did she change? Am I? Did we just both grow up? Did was I just too dumb to realize that she's been like this the whole time? And I think part of it comes from what I was just talking about, where she kind of is like, "Yeah, I am more, and I'm going to start showing that more, and you know, kind of standing up for myself a little bit more." And I think that that is all it part of it, but then also that he's just been too dumb to realize. Right. Is also part of it. Um, okay, so think back on your first reading of this series, if you can. Did you see the reveal of Lady Whistledown coming? Um, not until, like, when she was, when he actually saw her getting in a hack and going, and going somewhere, off to sneak somewhere. As soon as he saw her sneaking away, I thought... Why else would she be sneaking away? She's got to be doing something secret. And the only secret they have in this series is Lady Whistledown. I seem to remember when I... So it's been a while since I first read this book. But I seem to remember that 
just by virtue of they were trying to figure out who Lady Whistledown was in this book, and it's Penelope and Colin's book, I think I was kind of onto her a little bit earlier than that. I think around when she starts accusing Lady uh, Danbury at Danbury. the ball. Um, and there's a couple... But they do do a good job of throwing you off of her. Yeah, she does. the potential. And even, like, when you reread it, she does a good job of, you know, like, Penelope has these coy little smiles to herself, like, before, you know, anytime somebody's talking about Lady Whistledown, and it's kind of like, oh, I see, I see what you did there, Julia. Um, <laughs> and we should also say that prior to Mom reading Romance, Mom and I went to London, and we drove past St. Bride's Church, and I was like, Mom, that's the book, that's the church that's in... Romancing I just Mr. read a book about that. <laughs> that's in Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. And she's like, cool, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was Weirdo. like, you don't understand. <laughs> that's where Colin found out that Penelope is Lady Whistledown. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pat her on the head. Yeah. So, Mom, Team Colin or Team Penelope in the argument about publishing her last column? I'm Team Penelope because, first of all, I did not want, I don't know how you Cressida. say it, Cressida, yeah. to get, I, I was with Penelope on that. She didn't want Cressida to get, you know, the acknowledgement for her work. Yeah. Um, and not that she was saying who she was, but. Yeah. Um, well, I loved how she was always just like, I don't care if it's anybody. It just can't be her. That's right. And he never seemed to like fully get that. And that frustrated me that. Well, but he had his own reasons for not wanting her to. I know, but he just like wouldn't ever get that. That it's like, I don't, do you understand what hell this girl put me through? It can be anybody but her. I don't care. And she was just a straight up bully. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and you, Colin probably could never relate to that. Has anyone ever bullied Colin Bridgerton? Yeah. He even says, he says, I'm a Bridgerton. I mean, how many times does he say that? I'm a Bridgerton. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing affects them. Yeah. Because of who they are. And I wrote down this line from when she was talking about, you know, her as Lady Whistledown. And she says, not the one little corner of her soul that was strong and proud and completely without fear. It's like she can't take that as well like Cressida can't take like I'm not gonna allow this to happen like this is the one part of me that is brave and courageous and doesn't care what anybody else thinks and now she's gonna take that from me too and yeah so that frustrated me here's something too with with their whole I really love the moment too when Colin tells her, you know, I, I, I want something that's mine. And she's like, are you kidding me right now? And <laughs> she's like, you know, how dare you? You're a man who's wealthy and popular. Just right. go out and take it. Like, 
Are you seriously complaining to me about this right now? You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a woman in this society, yeah. I have very limited things that I can do. Yeah. But you as a man in this society, you can go out and do whatever you want. Yeah. It's and there like, for the taking. And I like that he's entitled to feel that way, but she's also entitled to, like, call him out on it. Like, yeah. I can understand where he's coming from, but he needs, like, the fact that she's, like, you want to talk about, like, feeling like you can't get things out of life that you want? Like, let's go. Let's throw down. Yeah. <laughs> I will beat you in this argument. And Well, because the only thing holding him back was his fears. And, and yeah. you know, all he had to do was step up. And I mean, even if he tried to publish his book and they didn't want to publish it, there's a million other things open to him that he could go and yeah. do. Yeah. Well, and I do like that at the end, he's like, I only have that dream because you gave it to me. And, right. you know, anyway, so I, I really like that moment. And I think that that's when, you know, I think because that's a moment where she's being herself, right? She's being that brave. And standing up for herself. Yeah. And so I think that's where he's like, whoa, who's this girl? You know, I think that's kind of their first, right? you know, fiery moment. Um, <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this question. What do you make of her mother? Emotionally abusive or harmless dunderhead? Ugh. So I just, I just, I think, I think she's a harmless dunderhead, but it sometimes comes off as emotionally abusive. Yeah. So I just need to read something, and then I need to say something about it. So this is a, this is something that her are mom. Are you going somewhere? Like, are you accusing me of something? <laughs> I don't know. Let's you are. Let's, <laughs> let's just, let's just read this line. In truth, I am glad for your spinsterhood. I am alone in this world, save for my daughters. <laughs> and it's comforting. I think I literally just said something like that. Let me, let me finish. <laughs> I am alone in this world, save for my daughters. And it's comforting to know that one of you shall be able to care for me in my older years. So. <laughs> I don't understand. I just, I just need to say that literally... Mom just said this same exact thing to me. I didn't say so you can take care. I might have said so you can take care of me in my own age. But what I did say was, the nice thing about you not being married yet is that we get to go play around together. Yeah. So, and then later, um, she's Penelope's, you know, like, because um, her mom is not, like, looking at Penelope as a viable candidate to marry off to a Bridgerton. And she says, but shouldn't a mother be at least a little blind to her children's faults? And I'm like, yeah, mom, why don't you encourage me more in my pursuit of Chris Pratt? <laughs> You're right, Ellen. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just let me live my dreams, mom. Live it. Go. If he'll marry you, I will leave you alone. I'll make one of the boys take care of me in my old age. <laughs> Good. I just needed to point out because I read that line and I was like, mom literally just said this to me. <laughs> But it wasn't so that you could take care of me in my old age, but that would be nice if you take care of me in my old age. It's going to happen anyway. You think you think the boys are going to do anything? No. Well, they might marry girls who like me better than you do, well, apparently. We'll see. But mainly, I just wanted so we could go play. I like when we get to go do things, like go to Vegas. Go I know. To it's still going to happen, even if any if Whatever. anything ever were to happen. Married, you won't want to. You'll have kids. You won't want to play with me anymore. Yeah, that's true. I'll have to get one of my adopted daughters to go with me. I mean, I yeah, there you go. <laughs> she she is good for paying for the vacations, y'all. Um, 
Okay, Mom, and our final question. What was your swooniest moment? Oh, there's so many. Um, I know. I think, in fact, I think I highlighted this in, the, in when I was reading it, but when she asks him to kiss her because she's afraid that she'll never get kissed, and so mm-hmm. she wants him to kiss her so she won't go through life never having been kissed. Yeah. And it's not so much that, but it's his reaction to the kiss where, because this is where he first, like, I mean, he's already kind of started thinking, oh, wow, Penelope mm-hmm. yeah, not quite what I thought she was. But then when he kisses her and then how that kind of changes in him, I, wow, well, he starts, I, like, like desire her as well. Yeah, he starts looking her, at her like, how have I never noticed, like, how beautiful yes. her mouth is? Like, how has no right. man ever, like, wanted to kiss how this mouth? How large her eyes are. Yeah. How... <laughs> um, so... My sooniest moment is him standing up for her to her mother when he goes to propose. That's like my favorite scene in the whole it's, book. It's my favorite scene in the whole book, too. And it is swoony, like, because, you know, he goes to ask for her mother's permission to marry Penelope. And, and her, they're having a family meeting and the whole family is And there. her mother just assumes that he's there to ask for Felicity's hand. And when he's like... Why would I want to marry Felicity? She's like a <laughs> child. And, and I just and I just love how he's like, no, I want to marry Penelope. She's great. Like, why would no man want to marry Penelope? And I'm like, yeah, why would no man want to marry Penelope? <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that her mother starts saying, you know, like talking about Penelope. Like, why would you want to marry Penelope? Penelope. Yeah. And he's like, you better not talk that way about my future wife. You yeah. know, and he just kind of goes off on her mother. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you go, Colin. Yeah. But then, of course, the ending as well is also very swoony, where he's just like, I just want everyone to know how remarkable and intelligent and witty my wife is. And I'm like, oh. Anyway. And then and then Lady Danbury with a slow clap. Yeah. I mean, you can <laughs> It's like and an 80s Anthony, movie. And then Simon. And the, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, exactly. isn't it Anthony who's first? Or no, it is Lady Danbury. You're right. Lady Danbury's first. I know, Ellen. Okay. Then Anthony. Then Simon. It's like, I'll okay, you got a Viscount, a Duke. What's the rest of them going to do? Of yeah. course they're going to fall. I'm surprised, because I was reading again, you know, this time, and I'm surprised that they don't reference at all if there was any, like, fallback on that. I don't there know. There must not have been. Yeah, I guess not. She's a Bridgerton now. No one talks back to the Bridgertons. That's right. Um, so we asked for some thoughts on this book. Basically, there was just a lot of general excitement that we were doing this book. Um, Emily, Heather, and Megan were all very excited because they love this book. And we also had some Bridgerton virgins in the mix, mm-hmm. Anne and Paige and Christy, who were checking out the series for the first time. And we would love to hear from you how it went because we personally love this series, but... Y'all can have different opinions than us. And Nara said, I realized I'm very fond of the heroines in this series. They take no BS. And that's true. Like, they're all very strong. Those Bridgerton girls are feisty. And I love them for it. Love it. Um, Well, and I like, because this is a problem that I had when I was a kid. Um, This kind of, Penelope's book is similar. But they mainly pointed out in Daphne's book that, no one wants to marry her because everybody thinks of her as a friend. Yeah. And I know when I was growing up, I grew up with a large group of friends and a, a lot of guys. And I didn't date much in high school, but I was always hanging out with the guys. Like if they all went skiing, they'd call me to go with them. So it would be all the boys and me. And yeah. 
they would go do stuff all the time and they would always call me to go with them. And, but you know, when homecoming dances came around, I was not the one they asked to the homecoming dance, yeah. but I was the one they wanted to hang out with. So I, I kind of could relate to that with Daphne, that everybody wants me as a friend, but no one wanted to. My thing that I've gotten multiple times, and like when I've talked to like guy friends about relationships and dating and stuff, and just like my personal woes, I've had multiple guys on separate occasions tell me like, you're just, you're just too cool, Ellen. You're kind of intimidating because, like, you, you, like, know what you want and, like, just in general. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not cool. I'm a dork. Like, are you kidding me? And, and that's, and I'm like, so I'm just supposed to be less cool? That's, like, what it's going to attract? I don't know. Anyway, don't get me started on that. I don't, I, could you get less cool? Thank Is you, that... mom. Thank you for not thinking I'm cool. <laughs> You're welcome, Ellen. <laughs> Can always count I think on you. My kids is total. All my kids are like total nerds. I know. I well, we're definitely nerds. Like, I think that they mean more that like I seem like I know what I'm doing, but I don't. So I don't know. I mean, anyway, I don't know either, Ellen. A separate conversation, I guess. Um, yes. Mom, any other thoughts on? romancing Mr. Bridgerton. We're going to talk about the Bridgertons in general in our next topic, but... Um, I just love this series. I loved it. This was the second series I ever read after the Sarah McLean series. And, um... Well, because when you got started with romance, I'm like, well, you have got to read the Bridgertons. (laughs) You gotta read the Bridgertons. (laughs) And it's funny because... Sex-wise, they're pretty tame compared yeah, to a they lot are. of other books. I mean, I well, haven't got to Francesca's yet. Yeah, I was going to say, Francesca's, every time I read this series, I'm like, Francesca, go get it, girl. Because, like, hers kind of comes out of nowhere as being, like, way well, she's steamier. she's the only one that has already been married. It's not like she was a virgin. I know. And she, like, she gets she it. And I'm it. like, get it, girl. Um, get to but, work, yeah. girl. Get to work, girl. Um, yeah, I just... I just love this series. And like I said, it's just like her books are just like hot cocoa, right? On a cold day. It's just like they're just so charming and comforting. And and I just and it's like being with family again, because every time I read a Bridgerton's book, I'm just like, I just love these books. I haven't. I'm supposed to read a book for my book club on Friday, and I'm like, "Gosh, dang! I want to finish the Bridgerton series, but I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to have to take a break after Eloise's book." Rude. How? Di- well, I'm still mad that you're cheating on me with another book club. I know, and I it's obviously like a lot less of a cool book club than ours. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, they make me read books that aren't romances. Lame. Lame. <laughs> so those are our thoughts. So eloquently put. Um, And some of your thoughts on Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. We would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads Group, our Twitter, which is at NotYourMomsRom, or you can email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On November 26th, we will finally be discussing The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Y'all have been asking for this one for a while, and honestly, I've been pretty anxious to read it, but I knew that I wanted to talk about it on the show, and our time has finally come. So check that out and um, read along with us if you, like us, are also late to the party. 
And if you have already read the book, send us your thoughts on the book. Um, also, this is another romance that just got picked up to become a movie. Um, because we announced we were going to do it on the podcast. <laughs> and we are just the lucky charms of Yes. Romance. should just be begging us to do their books because you apparently will, that's how they get made into movies. You will get option for your movie rights. Um, so for now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about our dream Bridgerton cast. So stay with us. It's time for a break. It's time for oh a break. <laughs> the break is when we do the news and mail. <laughs> uh, Mom, the, worst. The, <laughs> the fact that you hate it as much as you do only makes I me know. more excited to I do know. it. Next time I'm going to act like I love it. Like, <laughs> can you sing the song now, Ellen? <laughs> okay. Um, so we have a big announcement, you guys. I recently put out the call for books that you would like to hear us talk about on the show. And boy, did y'all deliver. We got so many recommendations, and I love you all for it. Um, So much recommendations that we have a big announcement. Starting in 2019, we are going to start releasing every week. Yay! I've been putting it off because it's just more work for me. But it seemed time. It's um, not more work for me, really, Ellen. Yeah, that's delightful for you. Maybe we should just record our phone conversations and just post yeah, those. Yeah, that was, well, would be easier for me. Um, so here's how it's going to work, though. Every other week, we are going to do our episodes as we currently do them, with the review chat, the break, and the second topic conversation. And then every other other week, I don't know how to say that. Um, the in-between we, weeks. <laughs> those in-between weeks. We are going to do like a mini episode where all we do is the book review. Um, so it'll just be that compact little review. And it will be probably the same length of a review. We'll do the reviews the same way we do them. But that's all that will be in the episode is the review. So We're getting so many books people wanted us to read that we couldn't that we wanted to keep accommodating all of your delightful recommendations and it's not like we don't read in between plenty anyway so we just thought we would do it this way um so i hope that that sounds good to you guys i hope that you're going to still listen um every week with us and you know and that you'll read along with us and you know let us know what you think of the books so here is our winter 2018 to 2019 schedule. And I will also be posting this on all of the social medias. Um, so on December 10th, we are going to read An X for Christmas by Lauren Lane. On December 24th, we are going to read How the Dukes Stole Christmas, which is by, it has novellas by Sophie Jordan, Sarah McLean, Tessa Dare, and Joanna Shoup, which is a really good lineup. We've talked about all of those authors before. Yes, and all those authors. Um, and also Have on... We reviewed a Sophie Jordan? Yeah, we did uh, While the Duke Was Sleeping. Oh, that's right. Um, also in that episode, Mom and I will be together for that December 24th episode. And so I am going to make Mom watch a Hallmark movie and we're going to review it. So I will be a good one. I will announce which Hallmark movie that we are going to do if you guys would like to watch along with us and hear our thoughts on that Hallmark movie. 
Or recommend a Hallmark movie. Yeah, or if you'd like to recommend one that you would like us to talk about. Recommend one with a really hot guy. (laughs) That's a good one. The the Hallmark movie guys are always attractive, but they're kind of, like, attractive in, like, a white bread way. So, there's that for you. (laughs) Um, January 7th, we are going to read Wait With Me by Amy Dawes. Which that book has a really interesting history if you want to look into it. Um, but we'll also talk about it on that episode. Um, January 14th, so this is our first in between episode. Um, we're going to talk about Spotless by Camilla Monk, which was recommended to us by listener Sarah. On January 21st, we are going to read Earthbound by Emma Berry. Um, which was recommended to us by Christy, and it is a historical that's set in the space race of the 60s, that's right. um, which I thought Mom would really like. Jan- I didn't have to read the book. I lived it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> January... <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> yeah. January 28th, we are going to read Bulldozer by P. D'Angelico, which was recommended to us by listener Antonella. Um, February 4th, we are going to read In Bed with the Highlander by Maya Banks. Um, this will be our first Maya Banks, and uh, it's extra saucy, so it'll be interesting Ooh. for mom to read that. But we haven't done, like, a Highlander book on the show before, so I wanted to I read we have. a Highlander book. Um, February 11th, we are going to read Rafe by Rebecca Weatherspoon, which was recommended to us by listener Jen. February 18th, we're going to read The Wedding Date by Jasmine Gilroy, uh, Gillery, which was recommended to us again by listener Christy. She snuck two in there. Good job, Christy. And then February 25th, we are going to read By Possession by Madeline Hunter, which was recommended to us by listener Amy in an email that we actually read on the show a while ago, and that is a medieval historical. We've never done a medieval. Yeah. Um, so that is our lineup for winter, and we hope that you guys are excited for some of those, especially those of you who recommended. Um, see, we do take your recommendations seriously. We listen. Yeah. We listen. We and now we've got more opportunity to put yes. them out there. Yeah. So we hope that you guys will join us for those long episodes and those smaller episodes where we talk about your recommendations. Um, I also wanted to just say again that we are going to be at KissCon Weekend Affair in Chicago on April 5th through the 7th. Um, if any of you are going to be there, we would love to meet up. We're not there in any sort of official capacity whatsoever. We are there to be fans and nerd out like the rest of you. But we'd love to meet anybody who might be there. <clears throat> and also, we will be at the Dallas Book Bonanza on August 9th through 10th. So if you're in that area, uh, get tickets and come hang out with us. We would love to see you. Um, So that is all we have for the break segment. We hope that you guys are excited about the every week news um, and that you'll still make us part of your week and listen. Now every week. Right, Every week. Yes. Oh, gosh. You'll be tired of us. It's already giving me... Stress. (laughs) Anxiety? Yeah. Anyway, we're excited, and we hope you are too. And we will see you next time with our news and mailbag segment. Bye. You're not going to sing? I I can. Do you want me to sing it again? No. That was the break. That was the break. (laughs) 
gosh. We did the news and just the news this time. Did you like that? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. So we've already gushed previously about how excited we are for this upcoming Bridgerton series, but in case you missed all of the hubbub when it was announced a little while ago, um, there is a lineup of shows that Shonda Rhimes will be bringing to Netflix, and in that lineup is a series based on the Bridgerton series by Julia Quinn. If you want to hear all about our feelings on that series as a whole, go back and listen to the second half of the episode on the Countess episode by Lindsay Sands. Um, So for today's episode, though, we thought we would lay out our dream casts for the Bridgerton series. I say dream cast because I know full well that they are not going to get some of these people for this series. Well, they couldn't afford all of my actors. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) same. And Nara on Twitter actually said that she would like to see... Um, all unknowns. And honestly, that's probably what we're going to get. And honestly, I would probably also like that. Um, But we just wanted to kind of have some fun with it. Um, I should also say that we're going to say the names of the eventual soulmate of each Bridgerton. So if you would like to avoid those spoilers, you might want to tune out and come back after you've read all of the Bridgertons. But Well, I didn't get as far as you. I just yeah. got through Eloise and Sir Philip. That's fine. Um, so, Mom, who do you have for Anthony and Kate, who are in the second book, uh, The Viscount Who Loved Me? Okay. Anthony and Kate. Now, here's my problem. I just kind of put a list of names, and pretty much these guys could be plugged into a lot of different places okay but for my anthony and kate i have richard madden as anthony okay. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as kate i have uh see these could be interchangeable um i'll go with emma watson okay okay so here's where i went because and we i'd mentioned this to you previously but you are very concerned about the ages for these people, and mm-hmm. I understand that, like, none of them, when they're having their love stories, are ever older than 33, right. however old Colin is. But if they're having all of these stories consecutively, they have to be on the... Able to go... I understand. Yeah. But, see, I was going... Because I was looking online at what other Dreamcasts people had put together, and there were some with, like, Colin Firth, and it's like, okay, he's an old man. There's no way he could play... And Anthony, or, you know, he's just too old. Because the books were written, obviously, a few years back. And yeah. um, so they were. Anyway, because yeah. I have other people that could be plugged in to different things. Yeah. Um, so for my Anthony and Kate, I picked Michael Huseman, who is in the Guernsey Potato Peel. Oh, I love him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That's a good one, Ellen. And uh, Gemma Arterton. I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but she's in like Quantum of Solace and she's mm-hmm. she's really pretty. Yeah, I know she is. Um, you know, I, I know. Okay, I know. okay. <laughs> um, and I was trying to pick like British people. Um, I was trying to pick They'll British probably people too. stick some like Australians or something in there because they usually do that for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, so most of my people are at least from the British Isles 
in some way. Can I tell you my other... Yeah, so t- hit me with your Benedict and Sophie, which are... Well, no, I was going to give you my other Anthony, because I have a backup Jeez. Anthony. okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Um, Aiden Turner was my other one. See, and that's why um, I've got um, a lot of these, because I love Aiden Turner pretty much anywhere. And so, so I sh- we should also say, like, they're all supposed to have chestnut hair, and I was like, they can dye hair. Yeah, that's my th- feelings yeah, as well. Yeah, okay. But, um, but most actors have darker hair yeah i mean that wasn't that hard to do yeah um okay so my my benedict Benedict and sophie all right benedict because i've got i've got these people in all different okay okay so like aiden turner could be my benedict okay okay that could because i kind of got them all in here kind of with different things so but between those two so richard madden and aiden turner they could go in either Order. The Benedict or the Anthony one. Um, for my Sophie, I'm going with Amelia Clark. Okay. So I have for Benedict and Sophie, I have Harry Lloyd, mainly because... Oh, I love Harry Lloyd. He's yeah. so cute in so, Robin Hood. So, yeah. We love him from Robin Hood. And he, he plays Will Scarlet. I hated him in Games of Thron- yeah. on Game of Thrones. That's why. I'm like, he needs, like, a redemptive arc. He needs to... Yes. Um, Good call, Ellen. He needs to have, like... He needs to become more well-known for something other than his character in Game of Thrones. If you hated him in Game of Thrones, you have to watch Robin Hood because he is so yeah, cute and charming so in cute. Robin Hood. Yeah, and so I want, and I think he could be a good Benedict, like this kind of like quiet art, artist be. soul. Arty, artsy. Yeah. Got it. And then I have Natalie Dormer for Sophie. Okay. Um, I think she's always a little bit more feisty than Sophie is, but I thought like physically she fit pretty well for um, for Sophie. Um, okay. okay, Colin and Penelope. See, I had a hard time with Colin and Penelope because I oh, wanted I the perfect <laughs> guy who could be funny and cute and charming. I got so it. So this is what. Okay, well, this is what I came up with. I came up with um, Andrew Garfield for Colin. Okay, I could see that. I could see him being kind of funny mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, uh, Lily James as okay. I can see that. I feel like she's like too pretty to be Penelope because she's gorgeous. Um, I agree, but I put Jack Rayner as Colin. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, and he could be like charming, funny, you know, yes. like a Colin, and then Karen Gillan as Penelope. I had Karen Gillan down, too, but I wasn't sure where I wanted to put her. Um, just because I think she's a little more believable as, like... I could see that. Yeah. I like it. I, I like what you've done there. Okay. Um, Daphne and Simon. This is where the one that you're going to get after me on, but just stick with me. Okay. Here's who I have for Simon. Okay. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay. I think he, yeah, okay, I'll tell you, okay, because I I saw that same Dreamcast that that you pulled that from. Oh, did I? I didn't pull that from a Dreamcast. Oh, I saw somebody's Dreamcast that had him as that, but, okay, and then who do you have for Daphne? For Daphne, I have, oh, this is, I pulled this one out of, because I was just kind of going through British shows that I've watched, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and picking out people that, oh, you know, so I have, I don't know how you say your name, Tamla Carey as Daphne. I'll tell you who she is. On the Musketeers, she played Constance on the Musketeers. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Oh, I should have pulled some guys from the Musketeers. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, for Daphne and Sophie, cause, uh, for Daphne and Simon, because here's the thing. Theirs should take place, they should be older than the rest of them. Right? right. You're right. You're right, Ellen. So I picked Haley Atwell. Ooh. And Colin O'Donohue. <laughs> Because I had she to put him older some... than him, though. <laughs> well, that's possible. No, I think they're probably about the same age. But I just love both of them so much. And like Simon is supposed to be dark with like piercing blue eyes, and I was like, yes, Colin, please. Um, <laughs> so I picked those two, and I'm I'm sticking by it because I think Haley Atwell could definitely deliver the like chummy. Daphne, you know, pretty well. I can see that. Yeah. Okay, Eloise and Philip. Okay. I have two for Philip. Okay. <laughs> um, well, Tom Hardy could play Philip. Okay. Or Charlie. I always say his name wrong. Hunnam. Hunnam. Um, I think either one of those could be. Isn't there. he supposed to be kind of like darker though, Philip? He's supposed to be darker. You can dye hair. I believe that you just said that. Yeah, words. I know. But, like, but, um, can't he's supposed hide. to be kind of big and brawny and yeah. uh, kind of, I don't want to say uncouth, but, you know. Okay, so here's who I have for Eloise and Philip. I put Amelia Clark for Eloise. Okay. And Ben Barnes for Philip. I have Ben Barnes on here as a, as a backup. Yeah. Ben Barnes is just dreamy. And, like, have you seen him on the, which... Oh, Punisher. He's in Punisher. And he's pretty, like, he's pretty jacked these days, so. Um, I have not seen him on that, but it makes me want to go watch Punisher. He's a very different character than we're used to seeing him. Um, and then, so you don't have the rest of them, right? I, um, if, no, I have Carrie Mulligan on here. I thought maybe she could be someone, but. Okay. Uh, for Francesca and Michael, I have Jessica Brown Findlay. Oh. And Theo James, because I love him. I have Theo James on here, too. <laughs> I just have a list of hot guys on here. <laughs> um, and then for Gregory and Lucy, I have Jack O'Connell. Oh. You know who he is? Mm-hmm. Um, and Lily Collins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then for Hyacinth and Gareth, I have uh, Shersha Ronan and Taryn Egerton. Ooh, I do love Taryn Egerton. And I had a, and he'd be a good Gareth, right? I think he Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the only blonde in the whole series. Okay, and then here's here's your bonus question. Who do you think for Violet and Lady Danbury? For Violet, I had Emma Thompson. Me too, Mom. Oh, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody Lady Danbury. Somebody had Jennifer Garner for Violet. I'm like, she's not old enough to be like what? these people's mother. Maybe, like, if they did, like, her younger story, like, the, like, you know, young romance between Violet and right. Edmund. Um, Lady Danbury? A Dame Judy Dencher. Yeah, like, the, like, Maggie Smith or Judy Dencher is, like, the obvious. I was like, it could be fun to see, like, Julie Andrews play against type and play Lady Danbury. Oh, yeah. Or, like, Helen Mirren well, could be good. Or, or even the other lady from Downton Abbey that was in... Guernsey Literary. Yeah, Pamela something, I want to say her name yeah, is. I don't know her name. Um, but yeah. 
So Any of those women that were in the Marigold thing. <laughs> Marigold Hotel. <laughs> the Marigold Hotel series. Any residents of the Marigold Hotel could work. Um, okay. Does that cover our dream casts? Yes, I'm trying to think. Oh, I had Jamie um, Dornan on here. So Paige on Twitter, she sent us this tweet. She said, I would pick Lily James for Penelope, which is a good choice. For Colin, maybe Liam Hemsworth, Jamie Bell. And she tries to tell us who Jamie Bell is. And it's like, homegirl, please. I love Jamie Bell. He is a yes. good pick. I didn't even think about him, actually. He is a good pick. Until I just I, I do this. like Jamie Bell a lot. Yeah. Um, she says, or maybe Zac Efron. She says, okay, American. But I think he can pull off the personality and the look with The Greatest Showman. Not Baywatch. <laughs> and um, she <laughs> also pointed out, um, she said, I just thought of another one, David Barry. Um, who, what's his character on Outlander, Mom? He plays, um... The guy who's in love with Jamie. <laughs> the guy that hits on Jamie all the time. <laughs> and I can't think of his name. Um, and Jamie kind of strikes up a friendship with him. And, and he, he would never... be a good choice. Like, and I think, yeah, he, he would be a good choice for a lot of them. But, yeah. anyway. Um... So those are our dream casts. If you want to send us some of your ideas for a dream cast for the Bridgertons, we love this. This is like one of our favorite games. So oh, yeah. So send we us do dream casts. We do dream casts of our family when we're yeah, traveling. That's <laughs> true. We do do that. Um, so thanks so much again for joining us. If you would like to join us for the Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang in two weeks on November 26th, you can subscribe on iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.